Well, we've had the conversation about legalizing marijuana several times, but now we're focusing on more once it is legalized. How is it going to be sold? There has been a lot of suggestions. I think even earlier today with Rob Breckenridge, I heard one guest saying that we already have a model. Well, especially not so much in Alberta because we don't have the liquor control board stores. Don't get me wrong. We know that alcohol in Alberta is still very controlled. The province still has the distribution warehouse and everything else. But at the actual retail level, you don't have government workers as you would in B.C. or Ontario. So uh, the guest earlier today said, well, why don't we just sell it at liquor stores? And when I first heard her, I thought, yeah, that kind of makes sense. They already have a, a controlled product that is sold. But my guest this half hour comes at it from a different viewpoint. Dana Larson, director of Sensible BC Campaign to Decriminalize Cannabis and vice president of the Canadian Association of Cannabis Dispensaries, joins us today. Hello, Dana. Hey, hello. Thanks for having me. I guess I know where you stand on the whole issue of legalizing marijuana. Well, yeah, it's long overdue, and uh, it's something that uh, we're glad is going to be moving forward on it. But it's a little disappointing to hear the big argument being on how we're going to cash in on this. And before we recognize, really, that, that prohibition itself was a very harmful, damaging policy, was never based in any kind of scientific health or, or public interest. Uh, you know, cannabis prohibition began in the 1930s out of racism and ignorance. And until we recognize that and, and, and stop arresting people for possession, I think it's a little early to be talking about how we're going to be taxing it and selling it. Well, Dana, it might be a slow news day, so we want to talk about it. So I'm <laughs> glad you could join us because it appears if we've watched the prime minister, he's been moving quickly on a lot of the promises. So we feel that it's only a matter of time before we are going to be having this conversation. Dana, give me your viewpoint, though, especially coming from Vancouver and B.C. Vancouver has had its own issue when it comes to the dispensaries of cannabis. For people who haven't been in your city, tell me about the situation there when it comes to the sale of marijuana. Well, Vancouver is not the only city with these uh, gray area cannabis dispensaries, but we've certainly got the most of them. There's over a hundred in Vancouver right now, and they're spreading across the country into many other cities as well. As well, and some of the oldest ones in Vancouver have been open for oh, about 20 years now, uh, serving patients with medical marijuana products. And for a long time, there was only a few of these places, but over the last couple of years, it's really exploded in, in number. Uh, so the city of Vancouver has decided to issue business licenses and regulations and try to shut down some of these dispensaries, but otherwise to allow them to operate. We're seeing the same thing in Victoria. Uh, Nanaimo has decided to move forward on this. Many small towns in B.C. have been issuing business licenses. Toronto has seen an explosion in dispensaries over the last few months, and I'm sure that within six to eight months, Toronto is going to have more dispensaries than Vancouver does. So this wave uh, of this kind of gray area cannabis selling to medical patients is, is really expanding. And I think that's a very positive sign and very good for our country. So at that point, though, and you mentioned the one dispensary has been in operation for almost 20 years, they were dispensing medical marijuana. 
Well, absolutely. And, and uh, I think most of the dispensaries in Vancouver are still doing that. But what you see in, in a lot of cities is the first half dozen or so are very strict in their protocols and, and really uh, keep things very tight. And then as more and more places open, because there is no regulation and no real oversight from any level of government, people start pushing the boundaries and they move you know, less to requiring less and less medical certification as things go on. Uh, and so in Vancouver, we have a mix. You know, the dispensaries that I run are very strict in how we screen patients and making sure we have doctors involved and that kind of thing, but there's certainly plenty of dispensaries in Vancouver where you can go and, and buy cannabis and not really have a lot of medical oversight. And are you saying that kind of this quagmire of suddenly they're seeing so many of these dispensaries open, there's no regulations, is it, is it because one level of government doesn't really know what's going to happen with another level of government, so that's why they've been slow to treat it as a true business? Because I know in Calgary we have pretty strict rules and regulations when it comes to, let's say, liquor stores and how many can operate in certain distances from schools and et cetera. Well, I think the challenge has been is that the courts are not willing to punish people for operating dispensaries. Uh, people aren't really going to jail or getting serious punishments because the federal medical marijuana program is so poorly run. It's got so many holes in it that patients aren't getting what they need. And so judges are sympathetic to people that, that run cannabis dispensaries. And even though it's, it's against the law, they're not willing to give out harsh penalties. People normally get discharges or small fines or things like that. You know, the VPD estimates it costs them about $30,000 to raid a dispensary, organize all the paperwork, and forward charges to the Crown, and that's before going to trial. And so if the result of that is somebody gets a fine and they reopen up again the next day, it stops being worth a police effort. In the city of Nanaimo, there's 10 dispensaries. The RCMP gave them all warnings a few weeks ago and eventually came in and raided three of them. They all opened up again the next day. And so it, it's really a losing battle on behalf of the police and on cities to try, to try to go after these places. It costs them a lot of money for very little effect. And, of course, citizens in these areas don't support raids. You know, when the, when the mayor or the RCMP go and raid a dispensary, they get far more complaints than they do if they just leave them alone. So there's no real motivation for local police and mayors to raid these places, but there is a motivation for them to regulate them. Mm. We're in a bit of a policy limbo, though, aren't we? Because we know a new government is in power now, and we know the views of that government. So is that kind of the holding pattern for different municipalities or provinces waiting for the federal government to come up with strict regulations? I think that's part of it, although I have to say these dispensaries were opening under the Harper government quite rapidly, and now they're going to open even faster, but it's not only the government because, you know, under Harper dispensaries were operating and opening and doing the same thing. But I think there is kind of a waiting that's happening now uh, for provinces. A lot of them are talking about, like you were saying, maybe they'll sell cannabis in liquor stores. Uh, and, you know, we're not against that idea of making it available in liquor stores, but it would be nice to see some provinces say we're going to stop arresting people for marijuana possession first. We're going to stop arresting people for cultivating cannabis for their own use first. You know, let's make those steps immediately, and then we can work on how we're going to sell it and where we're going to make it available. And I know, I know, I don't know what's happening in BC, but I know in a lot of centers in Alberta, police have been turning a bit of a blind eye because they know that eventually that's coming down the road, the decriminalization. So I, I think even right now police are saying we're not going to waste time because it may not hold up in court anyway. Oh, well, it won't be holding up in court. They'll be dropping a lot of charges right. uh, over the once this, once this moves forward. And I think a lot of charges won't even be getting laid. 
But, uh, but you know, there is a lot the provinces can do. Provinces have the power to, to t- they control policing. They have the power to tell their police now to stop making arrests and, and start, you know, getting ready for legalization to come. Uh, and, and there's been a lot of speculation about selling cannabis at liquor stores. And as a movement, we're not really against that, but that can't be the only place to go buy it. There's plenty of people who don't uh, like to use alcohol or who have problems with alcohol and to use cannabis instead to help get themselves off of alcohol. And forcing those people to go into a place where both, both products are sold together doesn't really make sense to me. And we shouldn't be encouraging people to mix them together either. Alcohol is far more dangerous than cannabis is. And, and exposing cannabis users to, to alcohol products in that way when they may not want to be just doesn't make sense. So although it could be an option, it needs to be like beer. You can brew your own beer at home. You should be able to grow your own cannabis at home too. You can buy beer in a pub or you can drink it there. You can go to a corner store. You can, in many provinces, you can go to a grocery store and buy it. And you can go to a liquor store. So as long as we have all those options for legal cannabis, I think we'll be okay. But if, if they think they're going to only sell them in liquor stores and that's it, that's going to be a huge failure. We are talking about how we'll be selling legalized pot when the time comes. Now, I know I've got a number of people calling in. For those of you on hold right now, I apologize. I may not be able to get to your calls till after the 3.30 news because I want to keep my guest on for a bit here. And, uh, well, actually, maybe Dana Larson will even take some of the calls. Dana, uh, you probably wouldn't have a problem if some people called in with questions. That sounds like a lot of fun. Okay, perfect. Well, I don't know. You used to call it fun. Sometimes it's a challenge. Uh, <laughs> so Dana is the director of Sensible BC Campaign to decriminalize cannabis, and he's also the VP of the Canadian Association of Cannabis Dispensaries. Dana, down the road then, you will know, will you continue to dispense medical marijuana, or will your shop just sell marijuana? Well, it's pretty hard to say where it's going to go. You know, it's quite possible we'll be out of business in a few years, or perhaps we'll be busier than ever. It really depends on how it gets legislated. What I would rather do is sell cannabis to all adults that want it and give a discount to my medical people who have a medical need. Uh, that's my optimal business model, giving everybody who, who's got a certified medical need 20% off. I think that's what I'd like to do. But right now, we're still strictly medical. <laughs> So go back to your argument about why you don't want to see cannabis sold in liquor stores. Well, I don't want that to be the only option. I don't think we should be encouraging the mixing of these substances. They both become more dangerous when they're combined together. And I think that for a lot of cannabis users, they don't want to be exposed to to alcohol. And I think that we have a lot of different places we can buy beer and wine than simply liquor stores, and we should have all those same options when it comes to cannabis. Can we, though, take a page from how we rolled out after prohibition of alcohol, how it was very controlled, and now it's probably less controlled, I think, in some cases than tobacco. But can we not look at how that happened and apply similar rules then? Well, yes, we can, although we have to remember that cannabis is far safer than alcohol is. The social and personal risks of using cannabis are far, far less than with alcohol, and so that should be taken into consideration when we regulate it. And it's worth noting that many of those who were selling alcohol during prohibition were able to integrate into the legal market. They weren't excluded. They were able to come above board and and be part of the legal market and participate. And I think that needs to happen with the cannabis industry now. We need people that are currently in the black market market or the gray market to, if they choose to, come into the, to the regular market, come in above ground and participate openly. That's legalization. You mentioned gray market, black market. Do you think legalizing marijuana is going to get rid of the black market? 
Well, ultimately, if it's legal, then there really shouldn't be any such thing as a black market because it's, it's allowed. Uh, but if, if they try to make legal cannabis products more expensive and lower quality than what's currently available, then it won't be able to compete. The current cannabis market in Canada is very robust and doing very well. And the way to get rid of it is not to be arresting people, but to make legal marijuana cheaper and better than what we have now. If you can buy legal cannabis at a store for 3 or $4 a gram compared to 8 to $10 a gram on the street, that's how to get people to stop growing it. That's how to get rid of the underground market. You can't arrest your way out of this and create a government monopoly that, that's trying to sell cannabis for the same price as the prohibition market. That's not going to work. Dana, another common argument is if we legalize it, kids are going to be able to get a hold of it a lot easier. Well, Canada actually already has one of the highest rates of youth cannabis use in the world. So whatever we're doing now is not stopping kids from smoking pot. And we're spending, you know, over a billion dollars a year on this crusade. So if that's our effort, it's having the opposite effect. Uh, so even if youth rates just stayed the same under legalization, I think that would be a wonderful improvement. But actually, in countries like Holland and in the American states that have moved towards legalizing medical or social marijuana use, we see youth rates of use among youth dropping, actually. Uh, Holland has a much lower rate of use nationwide and certainly a much lower use uh, rate of use among, among minors than Canada or the U.S. does, and they've got coffee shops and accessible cannabis for adults uh, quite readily. I'm getting lots of texts here, and I'll try to get to some phone calls before I say goodbye to Dana, but uh, 974-TALK, 974-8255. Someone text in, Dana, what a messed up system. Ban marijuana, make liquor legal, which if you abuse both alcohol, if you abuse both alcohol, is way worse on the body. Make abortion legal, kill a baby, but live a good life, get sick beyond repair, uh, so the person goes on. But saying things are pretty messed up here when we have legalized le- liquor that this person says is harder on your body, but yet we still ban marijuana. We've got scientific research behind that because I often hear that argument that liquor is a lot harder on you than marijuana. Oh, yeah, there's absolutely no question of that. In all aspects of your body and your mind, alcohol is far far harder on you. And, of course, we're not calling to ban alcohol by any means, but but people who make the responsible choice of using cannabis instead of alcohol, they get extra punishments. That doesn't make any sense. You know, we need to let adults make their own choices for their own bodies. Another person says, I agree that pot should be sold, but lobby groups are probably well into securing pot sales to mega stores, owners of liquor stores, especially in Ontario, Quebec. Walmart is trying to secure pot in the U.S. Have you heard that, Dana? Because I think another criticism is what happens if big tobacco companies, because they know what's happening with tobacco sales, if they get their hands on this market and how they'll be marketing their product? Well, people worry about big tobacco getting involved, but tobacco and cannabis are actually quite different products. They're grown and processed very differently, and just because they both happen to be commonly smoked, I don't think means that it's any easier for tobacco companies to get involved in this. And in fact, legalization would move a lot of users away from smoking joints towards extracts and tinctures and capsules and creams and things like that, which are actually quite effective, uh, but just not so available under prohibition. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with big business getting involved in the marijuana industry. I mean, that's, that's how things work. But we want to make sure it's open to all levels of competitors. And you want to have some rules around advertising and promotion. Although we should remember that since cannabis is safer than alcohol, if we're not allowed to promote it as an alternative to alcohol, that actually can cause some problems. So, but, you know, as an industry, we're not against rules and regulations around how we can promote and who we can sell to and things like that. Uh, we just want an open industry similar to wine and beer. 
Uh, let's take a phone call here because I've got a few to get to. Uh, hi, Tim. Hey. Hi, what's so your comments to Dana? Yeah, you're, you're talking about uh, legalization. You're referring to Holland, and Holland has never legalized these things. They've only decriminalized it. It's still on their books. I think your information is wrong in this case here, that's what you're using. And and they have much stricter guidelines on what it is that you can and cannot do uh, as far as the use of it and the sale of it when you're there. And it's all easily, uh, this information is all readily available to anybody in the public to see. Uh, Tim, thanks for the call. Uh, so, Dana, Tim's just saying it is not well, he, legal. Well, yeah, technically, he, he's correct. I mean, if you're in Amsterdam, any adult can go into one of hundreds of coffee shops, uh, buy cannabis, smoke it on the premises. Uh, the product itself is in a gray area. It's not uh, produced by government-regulated bodies. It's kind of like it is in Vancouver, where the hash is and the, and the cannabis is grown illegally or smuggled into the country and then sold legally through these coffee shops. So I didn't really want to get into all the details of Holland, but the point is, in Holland... In most major cities, adults can buy cannabis quite readily, and the rate of use among youth is lower than it is in North America. Uh, but he's right. Things are a little more complicated in Holland uh, than I let on. But to me, that sounds like it's legalized. But he's saying, well, it's no, legalized, it's just decriminalized. But it's not, the, the, the production of it isn't legalized. If you're not oh, okay. growing marijuana in Holland, you can still get punished. Just like if you're growing marijuana in Vancouver to supply a dispensary, you'll still get punished for growing it. But once it's in the dispensary, no one bothers them anymore. So mm. it's a similar kind of gray area system in Holland, and I expect as the world moves towards legalization, they'll probably change things there, too. Another person texts in says, I'm wondering, will I be allowed to grow pot? I have 17 acres that could be turned into a high profit crop, and he says, or she says, no pun intended. So is that another thing that you were saying? We've got to be pretty clear on can you grow it? Can you? Uh, I know there's questions well, about you couldn't sell that. Well, what we, what we would like to see is, is similar to beer and wine, where every Canadian can grow a certain amount of cannabis on their own property for themselves or to share with their family and friends without it being for sale. Uh, we do that with beer and wine. And then when it comes to actually growing cannabis on a larger scale for sale, I mean, there's different ways of doing it. You need you would need to screen the product to make sure it's clean, doesn't have any mold and pesticides. You could have a government body that acted as the buyer from independent growers, made sure the product was high enough quality, and then brought it onto the market. There's different ways of doing that. But ultimately, I think that legal cannabis, legal marijuana, should be grown by farmers in a large scale and not in these expensive indoor electrically, electrically run uh, grow rooms. Uh, legalization should mean cannabis grown on a big scale, and they can extract the residue from those plants and make very pure uh, extracts and products at a very, very low price. And uh, just a few weeks ago, the Canadian Association of Hemp Farmers asked for the first time to be able to keep their resin and use it. Not a lot of THC in that resin, but a lot of other cannabinoids that have medical and social value. Dana, text here, why do we need to legalize another drug that demotivates an already demotivated society? Well, that's a real misunderstanding about cannabis affects people. Uh, none of the people that I know who use cannabis are demotivated. In fact, we're all highly motivated. But ultimately, people are choosing to use cannabis, and you don't have to approve of it. You don't have to think it's right for you or your family, and that, that's a choice that you can make. But to spend police resources and our precious court and, and prison system to punish people for making a choice like this, it, it, that's not right. You know, people have the right to make their own choices for their own lives. I certainly find cannabis is very motivating for me and it's helped my life and that's a choice I should be able to make for myself as an adult. Let's squeeze in one more phone call before I have to say goodbye. Hi Jim. Yeah, um, he's got a lot of good points and uh, but I think legalizing it is going down the wrong road. Like I smoked it for quite some time 
and it does demotivate yourself. I've noticed that I haven't smoked. Sure, you crave it, but you know what? It's better not to have it. And like you said, the kids get involved in that. It, there's studies done that it does do something to your brain. And uh, to compare alcohol and cannabis, um, wine is kind of beneficial, but you're talking about chronic alcoholic. Well, then you have to both talk about chronic smart, uh, pot, pot smokers. And they're both in the same league. Both is chronic, is terrible. Jim, thanks. You get the last word. Dana, you get to respond to that. Well, you know, he just has someone who used to use cannabis and decided not to, and that's a choice he should be able to make on his own. But uh, if he'd been arrested and imprisoned or, or gotten a criminal record for being a cannabis user, that could have lifelong implications that are far worse than smoking a joint itself. And every study shows that alcohol is far more dangerous than cannabis is at every level. That simply can't be questioned. Dana, thanks so much for your time today and starting the conversation. Hey, that was a great pleasure. Anytime. Thank All you right. very much. All right. Dana Larson, he is with Sensible BC.